2: It's time to get
1: outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Bear River Lodge. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio.
3: Good morning and welcome to a brand new day. Pleasure to have you with us for another edition of KSL Outdoors Radio here this weekend. uh, Recorded during the week for your enjoyment as live, as we like to say in the business, for you here on a Saturday morning. Tim Hughes at Broadcast House in downtown Salt Lake City. I think the Father's Day weekend, if the forecast holds, is going to be great. Maybe the best couple of days of the week with temperatures in the 80s. Uh, Sunday, Mm -hmm. Father's Day, is going to be uh, warm too. 86 degrees for a high. So whatever whatever your plans are uh, for Dad's weekend, get out there and do it. I'm lucky enough to spend uh, a little while each week with some great dads uh, by their own right. Russ Smith from Sky Call Satellite. Good morning. Good morning. I always want to say congratulations and hats off to the dads that take that job seriously. Because there's a lot in the world that don't these days, but uh, all you have to do is look at the kids that you and both you and Nabodowskis have uh, released to the world as adults, and they're good people. I think you need to call all the kids and double-check that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll do background checks on yeah, them, make sure there's course. something we don't know about. Yeah, there you go. Uh you, Nabi- know, Tim, yeah. you don't have to say these days, there's always been bad dads. It has nothing to do with new times, old bad times.
3: Dads. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I just think maybe there 's more distractions in the world today i don 't know oh yeah, uh, but yeah. if you look at if you look at the numbers of uh, single family households it 's never been as high as it is right now, and so I think there are fewer guys actually taking it seriously unfortunately for for the yeah. kids that you know move on anyway, Mike Navidowskis is here, Navi good morning good morning, good to have you and Thanks. uh we 're going to talk uh plenty of fishing today i don 't know what you got to up your sleeve for fish bites, but
2: well, I got something up my sleeve for fish bites, and one is a real quick and important, and the other one is really interesting. But I'll be criticized by many, but I want to throw it out there. Okay. And um, yeah, um, I'm excited to talk about fishing any day.
3: Yeah, we'll we'll get to the fish bites obviously later in this hour. Plus, I'm fishing today. Are you really?
2: Yeah. Right. Where are you going? The Weaver, it's good again. <laughs>
3: you mean All you're right. going to sit on your porch and throw the line right there <laughs> yeah. is what you're talking about.
2: I'm a great caster. That's my hole. I'm <laughs> way up on the porch, but don't fish there.
3: Yeah. Um, did you make contact, Russell, with the Row 4 ALS guys? Sort of. Okay. Because they're out to sea. Right yeah, now we're now. relying on satellite they, they technology. They are planning
4: on today sometime mid-show.
3: All right. Uh, We'll look forward to uh, checking in with them coming up. And Bob Grove, who we missed connecting with last week, has promised we'll connect today. I I think he's back home in L.A. Verkin from his (laughs) his trek through some of the national parks and national monuments. And uh, last post I saw from him on social media said that he had hiked 42 miles or something over three days. So he he may just be laying down at this point, a little worn out from everything. Uh, Because he is going to fill our um, News of the Week segment, I do want to throw out just a couple of things on the um, uh, schedule for today. One is the Lee K. Public Shooting Range is having their open house today, June 17th, as this airs from 9 a.m. to 4, with a lot of different events that are going to be happening throughout the day, uh, including how to get a twenty-two rifle on target, improving your grips and stance with a handgun. They're going to have dogs and trainers. Uh, You can get tips on how to set waterfowl decoys, try out archery equipment, and a lot of other things. So if you want to head over there, uh, I would encourage you to do that. There is, let's see, admission $6. No, that's regular range fees. I think all of this open house stuff is free. free yeah, it's always been free. We joined yeah. them out there on a couple of occasions and yeah. did a broadcast. I'd like to get back out there because everything's changed uh, with that other freeway coming through
4: there. Right. So we need to see what they did to
3: work around it. One of the reasons I wanted to talk fishing a little bit more today, Navi, and we might as well jump into this, is uh, there's an article on com. And the article was written around a blog that was out there uh, from the Division of Wildlife Resources talking about the effects that this uh, extended cold water season is going to be. We hmm. still have an inch of water content in the snow that's left, and we actually got new snow this past week, yeah. believe, uh, believe it or not. But Randy Oplinger had penned a, uh, a blog piece that talked about how that may affect the fishing. And I know you have your own thoughts on that.
2: Well, yeah, I read the article. Um, obviously, it's it's logical and speculative in the right directions. Um, but I don't think cold weather is a bad thing. and It extends our fishing. Fishing is better in Utah when we're at these kind of temperatures, not the heat that we've been getting over the last two decades.
3: One of the things he said here, and it wasn't necessarily the temperature of the water, but he was talking about all the water that's coming down and what it's bringing with it because it was right at peak levels may actually be bringing in more abundance of food sources so the fish's bellies might be more full, uh, more full, meaning that they won't be as attracted to a, a food source.
2: You see, um, look, it is absolutely true. I mean... Um, there's, you know, more food is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And don't think that oh, there's so much feed they don't care about mine. That's not accurate. You just have to be better at matching the hatch. <laughs> so, look, I still think you can only catch them so fast, and and that's how fast you're catching them. It, and you know, more food is always better for the fish. You know, how, you think yeah. oh, yeah, I'm going to starve them though. No, they're desperate. They're going to hit mine. No, they're going to hit yours. And by the way, this is nothing but good. I. I don't really see a bad... We might have lost some fish. There's no question. The small ones struggle in the currents and that there was no place to get to. Fish found those places, hopefully, to survive the flood. They usually do. I mean, this is more normal. I mean, really, we've always had... Before we had dams and everything, we just had floods in the spring. And the fish have learned to use that. And I think they're going to be fine. And you know what? I don't know yet because the fisheries, the river fisheries are just now open... And I'm going to tell it to everybody who's listening. Get out there. The rivers are looking great. I'll fish it today. I wish I could tell you how I'm going to do, but I expect to do every bit as well as I would. The best part about this is that we get to fish in June, and usually by mid-June it's too hot. We get away from the rivers and go only to the lakes. Yeah. And we're going to fish. We're going to fish this river, all rivers in Utah, until early July, which used to be a thing.
3: What about this idea, that because of all of the water, and we're 10% uh, percentage points above the median average for this point in the year, 20% above last year because of the drought situation, that the fish are going to be more dispersed. Now, we're talking lakes here, not necessarily streams, right. but they've got more places to hide. That might make it a little more difficult.
2: Well, yeah, if you do simple math, lower volume means a uh, you know a closer, closer connection to distances, but Really, the fish are going to find your fly, and they're going to be voracious. They're going to be up in the weeds. This is just a good thing. If there is a real downside, it's the fact that we do have, or we have had the droughts recently, and they've reduced the stocking numbers because they didn't want to just um, to perish in those warm waters. So there are probably fewer fish, but I don't think the high water is going to affect us. In fact, let me just go ahead and say that my experience right now from with my ear to the ground, fishing is phenomenal in the lakes right now because um, they waited longer for that dang ice to come off, and so they're more desperate. Hmm.
4: The bottom line is you're going to have a great day either
2: way. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, you're I don't think the there. day shouldn't be free fishing day. I think that's a better weekend. Well, yeah. what's, what's the old you thing?
3: Know. The worst day fishing is still better than the best day at work? Something like
2: that. Yeah.
3: But I would encourage people to look at this. The article is on uh, KSL.com. One of the other things, you mentioned the survivability of uh, those fish that were planted. He actually thinks that this is going to uh, up that survivability. And with things like kokanee, we might actually find that we're catching bigger fish later in the season. For
2: sure. I mean, I absolutely agree. There's more forage. There's more space. Those are pluses on the fish's side. But don't think that's a detriment to the angler. Um, just get out there. You're going to do fine. You really are. And the fish are going to be particularly in a good mood right now because the water isn't hot. They don't really like, you know, we're a cold water fishery community. We don't really go for the bass or the crappie. We go for the trout and the kokanee. And those fish require temperatures that are temperate. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we have right now. We have cool afternoons. It's just going to extend the fishing. I think it's a positive more than a negative. See, this
3: is why you catch fish and I don't. Uh, is because you're always sure well, you will.
2: There's I, another I big reason. It. There's another There's big a lot reason. Of truth to what you just said.
3: Yeah. The other reason
4: is. He goes fishing, you don't. <laughs> that, could, that could be or something it too. about
3: actually going
4: well, like fishing. When you
2: said, you know, the worst day, you know, fishing yeah, is still yeah. better than your job. Not if your job is fishing.
3: Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, yeah. I got a lot of catching up to do in that yeah, regard. There's do no doubt here, about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, we got to take a break. We'll come back. Bob Grove will join us. We'll find out how his feet are doing after all that hiking last <laughs> week. Stay with us here on KSL
5: Outdoors Radio. I'm Dave Cauley
1: KSL outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio.
3: Last week's show, we uh, made some promises, or at least we were going to give it the old college try to make contact with Bob Grove, who was on, uh, I think, and he'll tell us here in a second. Russell, he was on a uh, private Mighty Five tour, yeah. So he was all over the place, but Love he has the Mighty Five. He has a uh, SkyCall satellite phone with him, right? That's right. But I think you were in and out of rock formations probably yeah. on hikes. And if I read your social media correctly, you did as much hiking as you did driving, I think.
1: <laughs> Well, not quite, but I did more hiking on this tour than I think I have on any other tour. In fact, I know I did more hiking this tour than any other tour in 30 years. Because your feet are very active. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, my feet, my legs, my hips. (laughs) I'm not as young as I used to be when I And I had a great, very active family. They were from Mm. South Carolina. It was mom, dad in their 50s and three adult children and a son-in-law all in their 20s. And uh, they wanted it all. So I gave it to them. And uh now i need a vacation
3: yeah so when you say you did a mighty five tour you hit all five national parks
1: we did all five national parks and we uh hiked long hikes some of the bigger hikes in all the parks in fact i was in a a narrow canyon the day i was trying to call in on the sat phone i I just didn't have enough sky above me yeah i didn't have enough sky above me so
4: hey how Uh, many how many days does it take to do this tour with this family
1: well, normally a mighty five tour is only five days, but this one was an eight day tour. Awesome. Um, yeah. um, I added a lot of extra stuff. In fact, the day between Capitol Reef and Moab, instead of just going through Hanksville and up to Goblin Valley and over mm. to Moab, mm. I went to Hank, I went to Hanksville up to Goblin Valley and then backtracked and went down ninety five. We hiked in the Leprechaun Canyon, went to the Moki Queen and then Natural Bridges, and oh, wow. went up through Blanding yeah, and back. Yeah. And it was a long day. That ninety-five went- that goes from
3: Blanding across, yeah. yeah. That's got to be fun for you though, because uh, it's not the same old trek that you would take with a bigger group, probably.
1: Oh, uh, there's so much I can do with a private. It's like a charter with a private tour. I can just fly by the seat of my pants and just add yeah. things and along. In fact, that day we were we weren't going to originally include. Uh, 95 from Hanksville to Blanding, but I added it at the last second and said, you know, I've got to really, they wanted a slot canyon. The Narrows were closed still at the time, so I said, you know, I know a slot canyon we can walk into, and that's when I added Leprechaun, and I said, well, let's, we might as well just keep going down 95, and I can add a lot of other things along the way.
3: couple of questions. Uh, did you do anything you haven't done for a, a while or ever, and did the water this year change the way things looked in any any place you went?
1: Well, the only place that it really affected us—the water, anyway—was uh, the Narrows. That's yeah. instead of the Narrows, we hiked up the Scout Lookout. We didn't have permits for Angel's Landing, or we would have done that as well. I just thought maybe there'd uh, be but,
3: waterfalls or something that you know normally wouldn't be.
1: Well, some of the creeks were, you know, they were uh, higher than normal, but it didn't affect us uh, other than the Narrows. You know, some places I went to that I haven't been to a long time was I took them down to Goblin's Lair oh. at Goblin Valley um you know i haven't been down there in several years and normally i wouldn't take a group down there because it's a bit of a scramble to get down into the lair or you can repel in fact there was a uh, young women's group that were repelling into the lair while we were there so that's really cool that's on the back side of goblin valley and that's worth doing but it is a bit of a scramble to get down to the bottom and i was a little concerned but man this family they they handled everything i threw at them
3: that's great um and, and I would guess that – and you said they were from where?
1: They were from South Carolina.
3: Okay, so these are things they hadn't seen. I, I mean, even topography and rock formations and colors they probably had never seen.
1: Oh, gosh, this blew them away. This is the first – they had never been to any of these parks. It was a trip they've been wanting to do. And, and uh, yeah, it it every single place, even the drive in between places just blew them away. And, you know, at 8,000 feet, they're from sea level and at – Bryce Canyon, I took them down Peekaboo Loop Trail from Bryce Point to uh, Sunset Point. And, uh, you know, so they were handling the elevation. And I was very impressed with this family. They were, they took it all.
3: Where'd you stay along the way? Were they clients of yours, places you've uh, hung out before? Or?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, gosh, what would be, you know, I, it's hard to say, you know, this with this trip, like I said, the only thing that I made sure that would happen would be the places that were mentioned in the itinerary. But I, I changed up this trip so much that uh, it barely resembled the original itinerary. And I did go to, you know, I went to a lot of places that Mark and I traveled to frequently. So there were some kind of hidden places that I wouldn't normally take yeah. or talk about I just meant as I far as I wasn't worried about with them.
3: As far as your accommodations went, you know, where you stayed uh, outside oh. of the parks
1: uh gosh no actually we stayed in different places like in springdale we stayed at a place i'd never been to before the desert pearl mm. in springdale and in tory we stayed at the capital reef resort which isn't where we normally stay um in moab we stayed at the hyatt places where we typically stay we stayed there for three nights uh, all all nice places we yeah. these were all great accommodations
4: Yeah, I wanted to mention something, and and it sounds that it's similar to what you went through. Um, We get down to Blanding a couple times a year, and we always exit out on 95. Now, that's State Route 95, I think. It's it's not Federal Route 95. Um, And go across, and and it's usually with a group of motorcycles. And we go all the way across Lake Powell and come up to Hanksville that way. You've been that way. And people are amazed. I've had people, now these are people on bikes, say that that's much more scenic than Highway 12. And I don't buy that, but they do. They yeah. say that, you know, it's just a fantastic way to exit landing.
1: You're you're absolutely right, Rush. You know, uh, State Route 95 is the uh, state scenic byway. It's uh, the bicentennial mm-hmm. Highway, And it's one of the most underutilized scenic byways in the state and has some of the most fascinating. We stopped at Hyatt. High- I mean, there's mm-hmm. so much on yeah. that. You're so yeah. right, Russ. We could talk about a whole. We'd have a whole segment yeah. just on Highway 95. But then
3: we would ruin it for ourselves, wouldn't we?
1: Because <laughs> everybody that's, knows. That's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. that's
3: true. <laughs> well, that's a discussion for another day. Yeah. But I, I hope your feet are recovering. You're back, and that uh, Susan wasn't, you know, hating you by the end of that whole thing. She go with
1: you, by the way. She she did, and she was great. People love me more when she's with me. That's,
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to use that line everywhere yeah, I go too. That's a good line. All right, uh, Bob, thank you. And if people want more details of not just this adventure, but many of the places you just talked about, road tripping with Bob and Mark Got to take a break. Hopefully, after the news update, we get a chance to talk to the road for ALS guys. They are on the high seas
2: next.